Ludus Novus, Episode 16, for May 8, 2009. False Narrativism, Osustvo. Hello everyone, I'm Gregory Weir and this is Ludus Novus, the podcast dedicated to the art of interaction. Boy, it has been a while since I've recorded an episode. Uh, it's been over six months. In that time, I've released six games, I've written a lot of articles, I've been pretty busy, but I'm going to try and podcast regularly, of course, I think I always say that at this point in an episode, but we'll see. Today I'm going to be talking about a game called Osustvo. It's a pretty obscure game. It's, it was made by a, a Polish development group. It was, it was a commercial game, but it was partly funded by the Polish government as part of their, their art program as, as a grant. The titles I said is Osustvo. That's O-S-Z-U-S-T-W-O. If you Google it, it should come up with all sorts of uh, links about it. The title of the game translates to something like incongruity. And it's a really interesting game because its impact depends quite heavily on the quality of its technology. Often in discussion of digital games, we say that graphics don't really matter, that gameplay is more important. Osustvo wouldn't be the game that it is without its, frankly, incredible graphics. It was worked on very hard by, by this company, and they managed to create what I think is the most realistic graphics I've ever seen. It blows Crisis out of the water, definitely. It's, it's Graphics are almost photorealistic. You can see a screenshot if you look at the, the notes for this post. But the thing about it is that it doesn't run on any consumer hardware. It's, it's a year or two old at this point, and it still won't run on a top-of-the-line gaming machine. Now, you might ask, how can it run at all? It's a game that's actually designed to run on a Beowulf cluster, a uh, group of computers that are linked and networked together. It's actually a, a Windows networked uh, cluster, but it's such a powerful engine that it requires multiple CPUs to run. Um, I think there have been some experiments in getting it to passably run on a quad-core system, but really you need multiple computers hooked together. It's got a rather nice um, data sharing algorithm just incorporated into it so you can actually take several consumer gaming computers and hook them together. You need five or six to run it, which, you know, is a, is a pretty big barrier to entry for this game. But once you can get it running, it's really, it's an incredible experience. And I've only played it twice. Um, I've played it once just as sort of a demonstration using using a, a setup that was in a, a computer lab at a university. And then I was able to talk some, some friends of mine into getting computers together and playing it just a little while ago. And that's when I played it all the way through. Osustvo has incredible graphics. And normally I would say that that's impressive, but not necessarily a reason to be calling it out as some incredible work of interactivity. But the thing about it is that its graphics allow the developers to have a, a themes and conflicts that just aren't possible in other games. As, as the title suggests, it's a, it's a game about incongruity. When you start up the game, you wake up in your apartment. It's a normal person's apartment. Uh, it's, of course, a little strange to, to, to me because it's a Polish apartment, so there, there are a few differences. And you go out the door, you 
go down to the bus stop, you wait for the bus, you get on, you go to work. It's presented in a slightly compressed time, so you don't have to wait through an entire work day. But the majority of the game is presented in near-perfect realism. So when you're playing, you see things as they are. You It has a nice procedural generation system so that you can see litter on the streets and all sorts of objects, you know, every individual container of food in your kitchen is all rendered in real time. And the reason that they have to do that is that the the conflict of the game is introduced through an incongruity. So there are several different ways you can approach it, but I'll just tell how, how I experienced it. There's a period after work when you don't really have anything to do, and your character is into um, exploration of abandoned spaces and stuff like that. So there's a, a place that you've been meaning to investigate. You check it out, and it may be that you go in there, you don't notice anything special, and you leave. And in fact, the first place that I visited, I didn't notice anything. And it was just kind of, oh, this is a cool environmental exploration, but I don't really see what the point of it is. The second place I visited, though, it was um, some sort of abandoned apartment complex or something like that. And down in the basement, there's a table. And on the table, there's a knife. But instead of sitting on the table or being stuck point first into the table, it was floating about an inch or two above the table. In any other game, this would be regarded as a bug. You'd go, oh, this is a little issue with the collision boxes on the mesh or something like that. But Osusvo's graphics are so well put together and it's such a, a reliable world that this sticks out as something unusual. And so you investigate the, the, this, this event. Of course, as soon as you touch it, the knife falls to the table. But you look into the history of this abandoned space and other abandoned spaces, and you slowly begin to uncover these irregularities, uh, these osustvos in the world that serve as an introduction to a rather creepy plotline. If you've ever read the book House of Leaves, this story definitely had the same feeling to me. This really is something that I don't think would work if it didn't have this incredible graphical power and engine behind it. I mean, I can easily imagine a world in which no one had the crazy idea to put together a Beowulf cluster to, to make a game, well, to, to run a game that they made, and, you know, in that world, Osustvo would not exist, and, and you couldn't have a game like this. But because this crazy group of Polish people put it together, we've got this thing where your primary activity, your primary gameplay verb is exploration and investigation. And it's trying to find out these little subtle differences where normally this sort of dedication would be reserved for alternate reality games or for finding bugs or exploits in a game. In this just about everything you find, I haven't run into any bugs, is intentional on the part of the developers, or at least on the part of the developers as they design their algorithmic world generation. And it's it's really an incredible game. It becomes creepier and creepier as you continue, as you begin to, to notice irregularities in the world. And as you investigate further, your own apartment becomes more and more unreliable. Each morning you wake up and there's something out of place that's moved during the night, or you notice a gap in the the carpentry below your sink that uh, 
doesn't seem to fit there. And as your character becomes increasingly paranoid, your interactions with other people become more off-putting. They're, they're one sort of sacrifice to the limitations of their engine is that there isn't a perfect natural language character interaction system, but they pull it off quite well using the standard Half-Life 2 or Chrono Trigger style you don't say anything, but people seem to understand what you mean anyway. So people begin to notice that you're looking a little weird and that you look stressed and you haven't been sleeping lately. And as the storyline continues, I, 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 I'm usually okay with giving away spoilers, but I don't want to spoil the, the ending to this because it's just too good. But the, the mystery grows and becomes creepier. And finally, it's one of those things where you want to stop playing the game because you're worried that the, the oddities in the work will bleed over into real life. It's an incredibly creepy experience. For this episode, I wanted to, to point out this, this game uh, to people. It's, it feels kind of like a parallel of some of the stuff that's been produced to, for the Wii, uh, especially, say, the, the WarioWare game for the Wii, and any of the WarioWare games, the D DS ones as well, where the game depends entirely on the hardware. There's no way you could make that game the same without having that hardware set up. Now, for a game which is designed for the Wii, or like Katamari Damacy, designed for that dual joystick control, you usually have a wide customer base of people who can get the game and play it. Osustvo you need to be pretty darn dedicated in order to play the game, and, and it runs decently expensive, and it never really made money for the for the company that made it. They broke even, but the, the news stories and so on that I've read suggest that it was more a demonstration piece to get the, this group to have notoriety and to show that they can accomplish pretty amazing stuff. I heartily recommend Osustvo if you can get a copy they're all over eBay and um, Amazon. You can get some used ones. Just search and you'll find them immediately. If you can get a, a computer setup that'll play it, you'll typically need six to eight top-of-the-line gaming machines. You'll hook them together usually over Ethernet, although you can do direct serial connection too. If you can get this together, it's an amazing experience, and it's one that you'll want to to share with all your friends because it's incredibly intense and creepy. It's a very unique instance, I think, of a game which is almost ephemeral. It's something that you can't discuss in the same way because not everyone will be able to play this, and even those who are able to play it will need to spend an incredible amount of effort. It's like trying to play a four-person multiplayer game before the days of the internet. You know, you'd have to set up a token ring network or something. It's it's on the same level of ridiculousness to get this game running. I just wanted to bring this to your attention and check it out. If you can't run it yourself, there are videos and stuff of, of the gameplay that you should be able to see. It's pretty impressive. Hopefully I'll have another episode out within a reasonable amount of time. But until then, thanks for listening. I'm Gregory Weir, and have a nice day. Ludus Novus is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. It means you can do whatever you want with it, uh, as long as you say who made it, you aren't making money off of it, and if you modify it, you have to release that under the same license.